Upward, how are we doing? Awesome. Well, my name is Luke. If we haven't had the chance to meet, and I get a chance to serve here as our connections pastor here at Upward. And so what that means is we say it this way, from street to seat, seat to serve, from the time you pull into the parking lot, from the time you plug in, I'm involved in that process. So I love helping people find where it is to serve or where God's calling them. One of the areas I get to oversee are all of our guest services teams. And so we have the best volunteers, I think, on the planet. We have coffee guys. Yeah. I want you to give it up really, really big for those that are freezing outside on our parking team. Those guys are amazing. Those ladies are amazing. Um, but we're glad you're here. Uh, last week, we kicked off um, our new series called Breakthrough. Pastor Andy kicked off week one. And uh, man, he did a phenomenal job. And it was a powerful message. And we're going to pick up with week two this week. And so we've been praying and we're believing that God is going to move again. And I'm excited with what he has in store for us. But I want to start by asking you a question. And I want you to be honest because you're in church. Okay. How many of you would be honest and say there has been a time in your life where you've wanted to give up on something too soon? Anybody? Okay, you guys are more honest than first service. We had to ask them a couple times. But um, I remember the first time that I ever wanted to give up on something. And I remember, I, if you know me, I'm a huge sports guy. I love sports. I played baseball, played basketball growing up uh, for, ever since I was a real little kid. But I remember in third grade, I wanted to play football. And what I'm going to tell you next may surprise you. But I was a little too small to play football in third grade. I know looking at me now, you would never guess. Um, but I was a little too small. And it didn't take long for me to realize just how too small I was. Um, it, you know, it only took me getting the wind knocked out of me five or six times to realize football was not for me. Um, the guys were bigger, stronger, faster than I was. Thankfully, I had parents who made me stick with it. They wouldn't let me quit, even though I tried really hard to let them, you know, get me to, to quit. Um, but they made me stick to it. And I remember, um, you know, I learned a lot about myself that year. Um, one of the things I remember, I remember learning is even though they were bigger, stronger, faster, if I could wrap their feet up, they couldn't go nowhere. And so I remember the day that I, that I took down our fastest, strongest player on the team. Um, I was in third grade. He was going into ninth grade is what it looked like. I should have checked his birth certificate or something. Um, but he had, he had busted my head so many times, I'm surprised I still even remember what he looks like. But I do. I remember, who he, I remember his name and everything. He was faster. He was stronger. No one could stop him. But one day I was like, you know what? This is, I'm going to do it. I'm tired of getting hit. And so we line up, we run the drill, we run the play, the whistle stops, I'm laying on the ground holding the foot. And I'm like, did I get him? I'm not moving, he's not dragging me. Did I get him? I look down and he's, he's there. And I was just, it was like one of those movie moments where it's like this, this hush fell on the field. They're like, did you see that? Like he just took him down. I was like, that's right, I took him down. And I learned a lot about myself that year. And I became pretty good at football, but not good enough to keep playing. Um, so, but I, if we're honest, at some point in our life, we all have wanted to give up on something too soon. Maybe you actually went through with giving up on it too soon. You know, maybe you gave up on that skill you wanted to learn, or maybe you gave up on that diet. New Year's resolutions that never work, right? We give up on that diet. Maybe you, it's more personal. Maybe you gave up on a friendship or a relationship too soon. We've all had a moment where we wanted to give up on something too soon. And if you haven't had it yet, life has a way of bringing that temptation around really fast. But whether you're there now or it hasn't even happened yet, I want to give you some hope today. I feel like God's given me a word for this week with the sole purpose of reminding us to not stop too soon. 
You know, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6 today. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 6. We're going to be there in just a couple minutes. But before we get to that, that story in Joshua, I want to help set the table for our time together by starting in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. You don't have to look for that if, unless you just want to. It's going to be on the screen. But this verse is going to show us a powerful principle that's going to help lay the foundation for what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we look at that verse, I want you to understand who the writer's talking to. Okay, he, you see, he's talking to a group of believers who have suffered for Jesus. They were rejected from their friends, from their communities, from their families. Some even would have considered them to be dead. They were just, they didn't exist anymore, all because they were following Jesus. Their persecution came from many different directions, many different ways. They were made a spectacle of by criticisms, by trials. They had, a, they had faced economic persecution, but no matter what they faced, they found a way to endure and they found a way to keep going. And they were able to look back at their past and they were, they were encouraged to keep moving towards the, the future that was ahead of them. And one thing I want you to see today as we start our conversation this morning is that you and I need endurance in this life if we're gonna see the promise of God in our life. If we're gonna walk in what God's promised us, we have to have perseverance, we have to have endurance. Those are two important things if we're going to walk in what God has for us. And here's one thing that I've come to find true, and that's that the toughest and most discouraging trial that we face are when we're called to obey God's will, when the fulfillment of his promise seems so far away. Let me say that again. Our toughest and most discouraging trials that we're going to face are when we are called to obey God's will when it seems like his promise isn't even gonna come. That's when endurance comes into play. That's when faith, see faithfulness during that time when his promise seems like it's so far away it's not gonna happen. That is the measure of our obedience and our spiritual maturity. So knowing what these believers were going through, look at verse 36 of Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, it says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And I believe there's a powerful principle here that's gonna lay the foundation for the rest of our, our time together. And it's this, that God can make us a promise that we will never possess if we don't learn to persevere. God can make you, God can make me a promise that we will never possess if we don't know how to persevere. Let me say it another way. To, to possess the promise, you need perseverance. Without perseverance, without endurance, we're never going to walk into the promises that God has for our lives. And I believe that there are some of you here today and you know that you've stopped short or you're on the verge of stopping short of a breakthrough, that you're on the verge of stopping short of a promise God gave you. Maybe you've already given up. Maybe you're close. And I believe that you're here simply because God wants to remind you that you need to keep going and to not stop short. And you may be saying, Luke, that sounds great. You know, good job. That's great. You don't know what I'm under, you don't understand what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm, what I'm going through. And it's a lot easier said than done. And you're right. I have no idea what you're going through. I just know what I've gone through. And one thing that I'm learning and continuing to learn is that just because it's hard and just because it may not make sense doesn't mean it's time to quit. And this morning we're going to be in Joshua chapter six. And this story is one all about endurance. It's all about perseverance. It's all about continuing on, even though it would have been easy to give up. 
And I want to look, I want to point out two reasons in this story that, that why we end up stopping short of walking into God's promise. We're going to look at these two reasons. One, because I want you to be able to recognize it when it shows up in our life, because we're all going to be faced with a time where we want to give up too soon. So I want to help you be able to recognize it, but then I want to help you take action so that we can fight against it so we don't stop short. All right? So if there was ever an example of perseverance in the Bible, it would be modeled by Joshua and the people of Israel. The story takes place when the people of Israel had left Egypt. They've wandered in the desert for 40 years. Think about it, 40 years. And now they're finally ready to enter the land that God promised them. The only problem is now there are people living there. There are enemies living in their land. And they have to figure out how to take the land back. And Joshua chapter six is an interesting chapter because it describes how God's people have to conquer a land that was theirs, that was given to them, but they weren't living there yet. And sometimes in life, we have to conquer things, some things that, are, that have already been given to us. Just because it's been promised doesn't mean that we have immediate access to it, does it? So in our story, we're going to see God's people as they're finally about to take that possession of the land that God promised them. So let's look in Joshua chapter 6, starting with verse 1. It says this, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. So God is telling Joshua, you're here. What I've been promising Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, you're going to be the guy to take them into the promise that I've given them. But first you have to march around the city for seven days. Now I imagine Joshua, maybe it's just because this is how I would be. I would be going, what? We just marched for 40 years. Now we got to march seven more days. Just can't we go in? Anybody familiar with the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho? There's a the song, if you grew up going to Sunday school and all that stuff, there's a song, you know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? And the walls came. Y'all went to Sunday school. Good job. All right. I was thinking about that story as I'm preparing for this message, and I'm thinking about how simple that story, that song makes that story sound. You know, Joshua fought a battle and the walls came down. And I actually tried to get Matt to open the service with that song, and he just laughed it off. But anyways, um, but Jericho was the first city promised that they, had to, that they had to get past in the promised land. And I was thinking about Jericho, I was thinking about that song and how simple it, it, it seems. And it never mentions how Joshua had to wander in the desert for 40 years. That song never talks about how you had to wait 40 plus years to even get the chance to go in. I think about how we would have handled walking around the desert not going anywhere for 40 years. When most of us get upset when our Amazon Prime day gets ordered or gets delayed a day, right? Or our Walmart pickup order takes 40, it's delayed 48 hours. And that doesn't happen to you guys, it's just, uh, just me? All right. But I think about how we would have handled that. They wondered for, for 40 years. When you think about that, that's longer than some of us, me, have even been alive. 
Okay, I'm 38 years old. That means I haven't even gone, I don't even get to go to the promised land yet. I'm 38. They've been going for 40 years. When you think of it like that, you think it would have been easy for Joshua and the people of Israel just to give up? You think it would have been easy for them just to throw in the towel, to stop chasing the promise, to to just believe that it's not even going to happen? Absolutely. We would have given up after day four, right? But they kept their eyes on God. They kept marching and they kept trusting. And Jericho wasn't a very big city by today's standards. In fact, you could march around the whole city in a little over an hour. It says that it was about three miles in circumference. So it wasn't a very big city. The challenging part of Jericho wasn't the size of the city, but the height of its walls. Which brings us to the first reason that we typically stop short when it comes to walking in God's promise, and that's because our perspective gets blocked. The walls around the city were intimidating. They made the city look way bigger than it actually was. It blocked their perspective. It kept them from seeing the land that God promised them because the walls were in front of them. And we're the exact same way. We put the walls of life, they come in, they block our perspective as well. Those walls are typically our circumstances, what we're going through, what we're facing. And all of a sudden, before we know it, our eyes are fixed on our situations and they are off of the promise. And our eyes become fixed on the wall in front of us. And I want you to hear me this, this morning that there's a promise on the other side of that wall that you're staring at. There's a breakthrough on the other side of that wall that you're staring at. And there's some of the stuff that you and I get intimidated by. It's not that it's because it's bigger than us, because God's living in us and he's bigger than anything that we will ever face. But it's just that our perspective gets blocked by how, wall, how high the walls appear to be. And one thing I know is that one of the benefits of surrounding ourselves with other believers, worshiping Jesus together, getting in a community of people, serving others together. When we do those things, it helps us see beyond the walls of our problems by lifting our perspective. When we get in and we start pursuing God and our eyes start getting refocused on him and why he has us here, we no longer see our problems. We no longer see our walls because our perspective has been elevated. And see, when all you see in your life are walls, and that's what a lot of us are looking at six out of the seven days of the week, We're looking at problems. We're looking at issues, problems at work, problems at home, problems with our kids, problems with our finances. We're staring at walls. But when we come together with other believers and we are intentional about putting our focus back on Jesus, our eyes become focused on the promise and no longer the problem. There's something about making an effort to get into God's presence that elevates our perspective so that we can start looking past our problems, amen? But we never see that unless we learn to look over those walls and we do that by changing our perspective. I want, you to, I want to point something out. This, is, this blew me away. I want you to look at verse, verse one again of chapter six. It says, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, no one came in. Now look at verse two. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Now, those verses don't go together, do they? Verse one, the gates are shut, they're locked. You can't go out, you can't come in. Verse two, see, I've already delivered them into your hands. If I'm Joshua, again, I'm a very literal guy. And Joshua, and you know, God's like, see? I'm like, see what? I see walls, I see gates, I see locks. I can't, what am I seeing? Have you ever felt 
like what you see in your life doesn't match up with what God has spoken to your heart? Have you ever felt like what God was speaking, maybe he was speaking to you about victory in an area, but all you felt was defeated? Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you about healing, but all you felt was broken? Have you ever felt like when you hear what you hear from God just doesn't match, it doesn't just, just doesn't match up with what you see with your eyes? Look at verse two again. God tells Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. And I came across this quote while I was preparing for this message and it absolutely blew my mind. It said this, that only God can speak in past tense about a battle that you haven't even fought yet. Think about that. Only God can speak in past tense about a battle you haven't even fought yet. Look, verse two, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Notice it doesn't say I'm delivering. Doesn't say I will deliver. That's past tense, it's done. They haven't even walked yet. He, Joshua hasn't even gone back to the soldiers to tell them the plan. And God's like, it's already yours. You may have not fought it physically, but spiritually it's yours. And I got to thinking, how many times have I allowed the walls in my life, the people, the voices, the distractions to keep me from walking in a victory God's already given me? How many times have I allowed it to hinder my perspective to where it causes me to stop short? And I believe that God wants to remind us today, you may be staring at a wall. You may have walls in front of you that that's all you can see. Don't stop too short. Don't stop too soon. Because if you stop too short, you're not going to be able to walk into the promise. It would have been easy for them to stop, but they kept marching. The second thing that we see, the second reason that we see that we typically, that cause us to stop short of God's promise is that our progress is slow. Our progress is slow. Progress isn't always obvious, is it? We're gonna keep reading in just a second. We're gonna see them make progress or so we think they're gonna make progress. But God has spoken to Joshua. He gives them the orders. It's time to start marching, right? The walls are gonna come down in seven days. Look at verse six. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and, he, and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. They get their instructions. They're ready to march. Look at verse eight. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. So it appears they're making progress, right? They're moving. Anybody like progress? Yeah? Where are my progress type A planners out there? Okay. I love to see progress. I love to make a to-do list just to cross them off. If I, if I know that I have tasks and I've already started those, I'll put them on the to-do lists just so I can cross them off. Anybody with me? I love to see progress. However, I also get very frustrated if I don't see progress because I need to know there's a purpose for my pain, right? If I'm putting in work, I want to see the benefits. Anybody with me? Okay. They're making progress. So it appears. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voice, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. 
The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, and they did this for six days. Now, I want you to think about how those soldiers felt. The first day, they're ready for battle. They're ready to charge the city. It didn't happen. You know, second day, didn't happen. Third day, nothing. For six days, all they did was take a very quiet walk. And if you have kids, that sounds great, right? But let me tell you, if I were God, and thank goodness I'm not, but if I were, and I were planning to do this miracle, where I had to get these, this group of soldiers to march around the city for seven days, knowing that on the seventh day the walls would fall, but I had to get them to day seven, I'm going to give them a little motivation. I like progress. Just humor me, okay? So here's what I would do since you asked. Every time they made one lap, you know, maybe a little rubble starts to fall. You know, maybe lap three, whole bricks start to fall. You know, just something to keep them motivated. Wouldn't that be awesome if you're, you're a soldier, you're walking around and you're like, yes, we did some work today. We walked around and a whole wall, like a whole side fell. That'd be awesome, right? The story doesn't say that that's what happened. It says they walked around day one and they went back to camp. Walked around day two, went back to camp. Now picture these soldiers in camp. Again, just humor me. This is how it just comes to life in my mind. Scary. But listen, I imagine they go back to camp after day one. These soldiers are like, well, that was weird. We got all our armor on. We got ready to go, but we just walked. Came back home. Maybe he just wants to get our muscles stretched out. You know, maybe he wants to get a layout of the land. Maybe he just, we're, tomorrow's going to be the day we're going to fight. We're going to do it tomorrow. They get up, they go, they come back. I imagine the conversation's like this. All right, who's going to talk to him? This guy's out of his mind. Maybe another one chimes up, well, I'd love to talk to him, but he said, we can't talk. We got to keep our mouth shut until he tells us to, right? I imagine that they, they have this going on. They, this happened for six days with no action. Why did God make them wait? Have you ever asked that? I have a theory, and I believe that God didn't want the people to trust in their own effort or on their own, in their own progress, but instead he wanted them to have faith in his promise. You see, sometimes God lets us walk around in a situation where what we're doing doesn't seem to be working because he wants us to learn and to trust that he's working even though what we're doing may not seem to be. Can we get real for a second? We just came out of our Bold Move series where we were praying bold prayers. I wonder how many of us are still praying those bold prayers or if we've given up because we haven't seen the progress. Maybe you've been praying for that healing or that work situation or for that lost child who's still out there that hasn't come home yet. Don't stop short. It may seem like there's no progress. It may seem like that wall in front of you is getting bigger. There's a promise on the other side of that wall. Don't let the lack or the appearance of a lack of progress keep you from chasing after that promise. I believe God wants to know, will you still walk around the wall even when you don't see progress? Will you still pray when the answer hasn't come for six days or 406 days? Will you still serve him when you feel underappreciated or like what you're doing doesn't matter? Will you do the right thing with nothing seems to be happening? Will you still march around the walls, not because you see the benefit, not because you see the progress, but just because he asked you to? Here's the thing. 
I bet we would be willing, all of us would be willing to do the right thing. We'd all exercise, we'd all eat right if we saw the immediate result of doing it. Imagine you eat a salad, you lose two pant sizes, three pounds, and your blood pressure goes down. Y'all, we would be eating, drinking, and sniffing vegetables, okay, if that was the case. But sometimes God wants to know that he's working even when what we're doing doesn't seem to be. And I believe that today he's asking you, he's asking me, do we trust him? Because that's the essence of faith. But a lot of times what we see as a lack of progress causes us to stop short of walking into what he's promised us. Because if you're like me, we all need to know how it's gonna end, right? Does it stress anybody out when you don't know the end? Just me? Cool, I'm the weirdo. Wouldn't it be nice if God put a clock on our dreams? Like if he's holding a stopwatch, he's like, hey, I know you're tired, 30 more seconds, right? Or hey, I know you're getting really frustrated, you've got two more laps to go. Wouldn't that be awesome? God doesn't do that, does he? Just like the soldiers had to trust, trust Joshua and the plan that God gave him, we have to trust God that that plan that he has for us is going to lead us into the promise that he's given us. Just like that plan that he has for us is going to lead us to that breakthrough that we desperately need. I wanna encourage you today, even when your progress seems slow, even when your perspective gets blocked, where all you see are problems, don't stop short. You see, it was walking around the walls of Jericho that would prepare the children of Israel for their next battle. Because within a couple of months after Jericho, five different kingdoms would team up to fight the children of Israel. And so God was preparing them for a bigger battle by having them trust him in that smaller battle. And you see, it was all about what God was doing in them. And if we're honest, we get so focused on what God can do for us, we completely miss out on what he wants to do in us. And what he wants to do in us has to come before what he does for us. Any NASCAR fans in the room? One. All right, NASCAR fans, there we go. I always thought it was so cool how NASCAR fans, how the, how the drivers, they, they have someone in their ear. Obviously, it's all changed now, but they have someone in their ear telling them how many laps to go so that they can pace themselves, right? So they're like, all right, you got five more laps. Let's hammer down, right? Let's make our moves. Wouldn't it be li- nice if we had like a lap counter in life? Man, that would be so awesome if we had like this sense of saying, hey, you got two more laps, keep going. Life isn't like that, is it? And because of that, I wonder how many people have given up on their marriage, given up on their kids, maybe even given up on God and they were on their last lap. They couldn't see the progress. They couldn't see anything but problems. So it caused them to stop short in that breakthrough that God had for them. And the most, most important thing I can say to you today is you might be tired. You might only be able to see walls in front of you. You may not see any progress. You feel like you're just wasting your time. I believe you're here because God wants you to know that it's not time to give up. It's not time to stop short. It's time to keep marching. It's time to keep going. Like I said earlier at the very beginning, to possess the promise, we have to persevere. Because if we don't persevere, we're not going to walk in what God has for our lives. Third service last week, Pastor Andy briefly mentioned mine and my wife Jessica's story 
Um, but we got married in 2012, second best decision of my life next to, you know, give my life to Jesus. 2012, we get married. We knew we wanted kids. Um, we were standing on that promise. God sent numerous, he sent random people with the same message. Hey, God's going to give you kids. He's going to give you a family. You're going to have a happy home. Total strangers, same message. I love when God does that. It's so awesome when he speaks into us. We were standing on that word. We were excited. You know, we, we wanted kids. Um, January 2013, we find out we're pregnant. We're, we're ecstatic, right? Our jobs are going great. We just got married. Um, we're adulting, right? We got our house. We're, we're, doing, we're doing right. We're expecting a baby. So excited. We're on cloud nine. A few weeks later, Valentine's night, 2013. Um, we're out for Valentine's Day. Jessica starts to hurt a little bit. We just watch it. We don't think much of it. The next day, actually 11 years ago, Thursday, um, we miscarried. A few days later, we'd get a diagnosis that would basically basically said that it would be practically impossible for us to have kids. So now we're faced with a situation where we have a promise that we believe came from God. But now we have a wall that's been placed between us and that promise. And one thing that I've come to learn in life is that we are either going to have a perspective that focuses on the problem or the promise. And we had a choice. We could accept that crushing diagnosis, letting that wall keep us from believing that that promise would be fulfilled. Or we could fight and trust knowing that God is not a God who goes back on his word. And that he was going to lead us into that promise one way or another. So we decided to pray and to trust that promise over a diagnosis because we knew that the doctors could say one thing, but God would have the final say. No matter what it looked like, God would have the final say. So for what seemed like forever, we were constantly fighting the what ifs and the unknowns and the ups and the downs. And it seemed like our progress was slow, if even at all. There were days where it seemed like the doctor's word overshadowed God's word. But we kept marching, we kept believing, we kept trusting. Many failed tests, many tears, many struggles, disappointments. September 6, 2014, our first son was born. Yeah. And now, after we were told that it would be almost impossible to have kids, we have Gavin, who's nine, Jace, who is four, and Emma, who is the surprise that we did not know we needed, is eight months old. And I think they've got a picture of them right up here. So yeah, those are my babies. So listen to me, I want, I want you to hear me. I know what you may be staring at may seem intimidating. Those walls may seem high, but there is a promise on the other side of that wall. Don't stop short. Don't stop short. Those walls may look huge. You may seem like you're walking in circles. Don't stop. I'm gonna read this and then we're gonna, we're gonna pray. But I read this, I came across this little passage as I was preparing for today. And it says this, it just says, lap number one through six is ours. But lap number seven is God's. 
the six laps that show us that we don't have the strength prepare us for the seventh lap where God shows us his. And so you may be here and you may be on lap one, you may be on lap six, you may be on lap 306, maybe on, you lost count. The thing I believe God wants us all to hear today is don't stop short because he has a promise and the enemy will do anything he can to block our perspective and to slow us down. But we need to keep pushing. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your promise. God, the enemy will do anything that he can to keep us from walking in your promise. And God, I pray that today that our perspective will be put back on the, the promise and not the problem. You may be here today and you know that today's your day to say yes to Christ. You've been running for a while. Maybe you feel like you've been walking in circles by yourself. I found that if you're gonna walk in circles, it's better to have Jesus with you. (laughs) And so maybe you know that today is your day to give your life to him. You've tried everything else. God knew you were gonna be here. He knows exactly what you're going through. Maybe you're even watching online and you know that today is your day to say yes to Christ. If that's you and you know that today is your day to give your life to him, can you just slip up your hand? We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not going to do anything. We just wanna pray for you. Is that anybody here you're ready to give your life to Jesus and, and just tell him he can have it? Is that anybody here today? Awesome. Maybe you're here, maybe you're here this morning and you know that your perspective has been shifted off of the promise and onto the problem. And you're like, Luke, I need to, I'm, I'm ready to elevate my perspective this morning. If that's you and you're ready to put your eyes back on his promise, can I see your hand this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, I wanna pray for those who are saying yes to Christ this morning. And church, I want you to pray this with me and then Matt's gonna lead us into a song in a time of worship. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving me enough to die for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your promise. Today, I give you my life. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I'm following after you with everything I have. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to pray a prayer um, over you guys, if that's all right, if you'll let me. So, Father, right now, God, I just pray for... God, just the supernatural strength, God, to keep our eyes on the promise and not our problems. God, life has a way of throwing our issues, throwing our problems in our face. And so, God, I pray that your promise will shine brighter than anything the world may try to throw up. God, I pray for peace. I pray for endurance and perseverance, God. And God, I speak over them today. God, that their perspective will be fixed on the promise and not the problem. And in that same power, we commission you today to go out, be Jesus to everyone you come into contact with, and let's transform our community together. Amen. We love you guys. Y'all have a great week.